Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, good morning. How are y'all? I love sunshine in the winter. Anybody else with me on that? That's such a beautiful thing. And welcome back to week three of Peopling. This is a four-week series. If you've missed the first two weeks, I want to catch you up, but you need to go back and watch online or podcast or whatever. This may be, I say this all the time, but this may be the most significant sermon series we've ever done because peopling and how we do with peopling, our peopling skills determine so much about the quality of our life, the direction of our life, who we ultimately become. God designed it so that that people, life on life, um, our interactions, our connected relationships with other people determine so much about who we are and how we are. And, and, and as a society, we've talked about this in the first couple of weeks, we are becoming less and less adept at our peopling skills. We're becoming more insulated and more isolated. We figured out because of technology and everything that's happened over the last 20 years or so, that we can sit at home in our underwear and stream our entertainment, we can have our groceries delivered, we can have Amazon deliver anything we want, almost anything on the planet, to our door in 24 to 48 hours. God bless America. It's amazing, right? But we don't have to go anywhere. And we're not. And we're becoming more and more insulated and more and more isolated. When I was growing up, and I know I sound like an old man, and I am an old man, but, but when I was a kid, a little kid, I remember my parents sitting on the back patio while the kids played out in the yard, and the neighbors would all come over and they'd sip lemonade and they knew each other and had friendships and all. That doesn't happen anymore. 70% of Americans don't know their neighbors. That's how much our culture has shifted uh, in recent years. And it's a big deal because Guys, this is feeding the mental health crisis that we are in as a, as a nation right now, this disconnectedness. Uh, and you're like, what mental health crisis? Well, this mental health crisis. Suicide, the suicide rate over the last 15 years among young people has increased by 25%. That's a crisis. For the first time in the history that they've been measuring these things, the, the, the number one cause of death in teenagers and young adults is suicide. It's a mental health crisis. Depression, anxiety, all of these things are off the charts. And it's not just with young people, it's all people. So guys, we are becoming disconnected with one another. Or, and if we have connections, they're just superficial connections because we don't need people. I can ask Google, I don't need you. Right? And we're choosing, we're opting for that. And it's a problem, it's a real problem. The week. Week one of this series, I talked about the importance of choosing good friends. The, the idea that the Bible says it's okay to choose your friends. You don't have to just haphazardly go through life. But in Proverbs 12, 26, it says the righteous choose their friends carefully. Like, that's a biblical thing. And it doesn't mean that you can just kick everybody that you don't like out of your life. You're going to have some draining friends and you're going to have some neutral friends. But you need to make sure that you're stacking the deck 
with some energizing friends, with some friends who are helping you become more like Jesus, some friends that are helping you become more positive, some friends that are important in your life. You need to be intentional and stack the deck on that side of things. Last week, Myron talked about the lost art of hospitality and that hospitality is really more about opening our hearts and our schedules, also our homes, but it might be inviting somebody out to eat, but opening our lives to other people. And how that is an intentional choice, especially in this day and age, as we are becoming more introverted, more isolated, and more insulated. You know, Jesus, when he was here in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I've come to bring life, and life in all of its fullness. And I believe that. I believe that. And I think there are two parts to that. One part is that Jesus came to die on the cross so that our sin could be paid for, our debt could be paid for and canceled. And we could be made clean in God's sight and we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and He could come by His Holy Spirit and live in our hearts. And you will never be fully alive until God's presence is in your heart. You have a space inside of your heart, the shape of God, and only He can fill that space. You will never be fully alive. That is a huge part of life in all of its fullness. But I think there's a second part to that. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. But the word that he used for church was not the word for building. It wasn't the word for organization. The word he used for church was the word that they, the word ecclesia. It literally means a gathering or a community of people gathering together on mission together. See, Jesus came not only to heal our relationship with God, but so that we could heal our relationships with one another. And life in all of its fullness truly is, joy is found in community. But it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. There is a a hard part to peopling. Let me ask you, have you ever been rejected, anyone? All right, well, you guys are a little more honest than the last crowd, so. At least eight of us have been rejected in our lives. Liars, you're all liars. Anyway, you know, when I, when I was uh, five years old, there was a group of guys in the neighborhood, and this was back, again, I sound like an old man, but this was back when, you know, you would turn your five-year-old out and just, you know, go play, you know, and so, uh, but this group of, of guys in the neighborhood, they didn't like me for whatever reason, I'm not, still not sure why, um, but I was not welcome to play with them, and I was all by myself uh, running in the neighborhood. And one day, this dog came out of the woods and came to, our, came to our backyard, and he was a stray. And I said, here, boy, here, boy, and he came. So I thought his name was Boy, so that's what we called him. And we adopted Boy the dog, um, and uh, Boy the dog was my best friend as a five-year-old because I didn't have any friends. I had been rejected by the boys in the neighborhood. And I'm here to tell you, 45 years later... That hurts. I mean, I don't walk around thinking about it all the time, but rejection hurts. It hurts. And maybe, maybe you didn't get invited to the sleepover. Never been there. Or invited to hang out with the, the crowd. You know, today, in this day and age, uh, psychologists have identified this whole social aggression and social isolation uh, thing in young kids. Uh, elementary school kids and middle school kids, but it goes all the way, 
on into high school and even into adulthood, and especially among girls, where, where it's this complicated, intricate strategy to isolate certain people because it makes you feel more powerful. And so many kids today, we hear about the bullying crisis, that's a big part of it, or experiencing rejection just so that somebody else can feel good about themselves. And maybe it was that for you. Maybe, maybe she dumped you because, you know, you weren't as good as this other guy. Or maybe, maybe you've had a family member cut you off because your political persuasion isn't in the right, the right camp. And so you're no longer worthy to be a part of the family. Or maybe you got a letter in the mail that says, we're sorry to inform you. We regret to inform you. You didn't get the job or you didn't get into the school. But what you heard was, we regret to inform you. You weren't good enough. You're rejected. I've experienced all of those. And my guess is most of us have experienced something along those lines and probably several things along those lines. And I wish I could tell you that, look, if you hang out at church, you won't experience that at all. You'll never be disappointed. But some of you, that's, that's where you experience that, right? Because here's my promise for you. Any group of people, even church people, will let you down at some point or another will communicate something either intentionally or unintentionally that makes you feel like you've been rejected. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to or who have left the church because somebody didn't show up to visit them at the hospital. We have a whole team of people trained and ready to go to hospitals, but oftentimes the hospital doesn't call, just know this, and let us know that they're there, or they don't call and let us know that they're there, right? Sometimes, 100% honesty, sometimes the ball gets dropped. We think, I, you know, I think somebody else is gone and they think somebody else is gone and nobody ends up going. But you know what it gets interpreted as? Rejection. Well, they didn't come see me. They obviously, obviously I'm not that important. And rather than having to deal with that and walk through that, it's easier, it's less painful just to avoid it and walk away. Right? Sometimes it's, my, my observation is very rarely is it intentional, but it's often interpreted that way. And rejection hurts so bad that we will do anything to avoid it. It does hurt, doesn't it? It does. In fact, uh, it, I would say it's one of the most significant pains we will deal with in life is rejection. Neuroscientists have studied this and they have found that the pain of rejection travels the same neural pathways as physical pain. It literally hurts us. And like I said, we will rearrange our lives to avoid it if we can. It will turn to calluses on our hearts. Now calluses can be good thing, but not on our hearts. I've got calluses on my, my left fingertips. I played guitar for about 25 years. I still play, but I don't pick up my guitar very often. I can still see the calluses from 10 years ago on my fingertips. And what happens is when you play guitar, you pick up a guitar for the first time, and you press on those strings. It hurts. 
And so what your body begins to do is put a layer upon layer upon layer of skin over that area so that eventually when you press down on those strings, it doesn't hurt anymore and you can play and it's fun, right? These guys are playing guitar up here. They're having a blast because they've got calluses on their fingers. When it comes to guitar playing, calluses are a good thing. When it comes to peopling, calluses on your heart disconnect you from other people. They're a bad thing. And for most of us, we have been hurt at one point or another in our life. We have been rejected at one point or another in our life. And we have allowed calluses to grow on our hearts so that it insulates us from the pain. But we also miss out on the connection that will bring you joy, that will bring you life in all of its fullness. Guys, don't let the pain of rejection rob you of the joy of connection. That's what this sermon is all about. Because there are so many of us that are just kind of keeping people out here because it hurts. And why? Why would I go through that? I know you're going to let me down eventually, right? So why would I go through that? That's what you're convinced yourself of. Now the science is in. The life you're looking for is found in connected community. And all the research, the psychological research and the neuroscience and all that backs that up. You get with a group of people who love you and support you and encourage you and that you're doing life with and that you're connected with and you're going to go further, faster, you're going to become more of who you want to be, who God's created you to be. It's just, it's, yeah. Psychologist um, Henry Cloud wrote a book a couple years ago called The Power of the Other. And in the book, he talks about, he talks about how significant it is if you want like if you're going after a goal, it's a book about peak performance, right? It's a book about becoming who you want to be. And, and, and he says this in the book. He says, people trying to reach goals succeed at a much greater rate if they are connected to a strong human support system. He tells the story of his brother-in-law who was a Navy SEAL. But when he was going through the Navy SEAL hazing process which is this long, extended, push your body and your mind further than anybody should be able to go, hazing process. Uh, at the end, he made it all the way to the end, to hell week. And they, I mean, like they starve them and they put them in ice cold water and they push them. They're running, you know, ridiculous distances. And the last part of it was they had to swim, this endurance swim in freezing cold water in the ocean. And his brother-in-law told the story of, of how he, was, he made it to that part and he was within a hundred yards of shore. And if he made that last hundred yards, he would become a Navy SEAL. And if he didn't make that last hundred yards, he wouldn't. And he got to that last hundred yards and he hit the wall. You know what I'm talking about, the wall? There's no blood sugar left. There's no, there's no um, adrenaline left. And he couldn't even lift his arm to do another stroke. And before he went under the water, he looked up and he saw his buddy on shore, hundred yards off, going, you can do it, giving him fist bumps and, and cheering him on. Come on, you got this. And he said somewhere within him, this burst of energy just rose up and he was able to take the next stroke, take the next stroke, and he finished and he became a Navy SEAL. But it was that close. Guys, the truth is every one of us needs people in our lives who know us, 
who love us, who are for us, who are giving us fist bumps and telling us we can do it because there is so much more in you than you ever thought. But you can't find it on your own. None of us can. Now, we don't need scientists to tell us that. The Bible's been telling us this for years. You know, spiritual growth, personal growth, it happens. It happens in life on life, connected relationships. The joy that you're looking for in this world, I mean, it starts with our relationship with God, but it goes into our relationships with one another, connected relationships with one another. The Bible lays that out very clearly, that our provision, our, our care, our support is to come from one another. We are, if we live in that way, there is something, and again, the science backs this up, psychologically that happens, there's something emotionally that happens, there's something physiological that happens when we live in community that doesn't when we don't. So the fact that our culture is drifting away from that is alarming. And this is one of those situations where I believe Jesus calls us to live counterculturally in all kinds of good ways. This is one of them. This is one of them. And the truth is we're not that great at it because we've, all, we've been hurt. A lot, all of us have experienced rejection and many of us are missing out on life in all of its fullness because of it. And so what I want to do today is I want to invite you to listen and to do some inner work as we walk through the rest of this message. And I want to talk about how we walk through rejection into community. All right? You good? It's very, very quiet in here right now. It's like, this is serious stuff. Yeah, it is. Well, if you're going to walk through rejection in the community, the first thing that you need to do is you need to see the pattern in your own life. You need to see how, how do I deal with rejection when it comes? We all deal with it. How do you deal with it when it comes? Because one of the things that we are, very few people are okay to just let it sit. Like we have to manage it somehow, right? And we have to figure out how we're going to avoid it, how we're going to structure our lives to avoid rejection, or how we're going to build a wall around ourselves, not to go through it, but to go around it. And, and, and this usually breaks down in one of two ways. First way is, is what I call um, blame. And that is somebody, somebody offends you, somebody rejects you, whatever, and, they, and you go, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Obviously, it's them. They're the jack wagon. They're, they're mean. They're this. They're that. It's not me. It's you. Now, some of us go to that right off the bat. That's, that's our default. That's your pattern. Look, if you don't know what your pattern is, you can't begin to change it. So I want you to think about that. The other pattern that we tend to go to is the opposite. It's not blame. It's self-doubt. It's, it's, it's you look at them and you're like, well, they seem to have it put together. So it's not them. It must be me. I'm too annoying. I'm too intense. I'm not enough for them. And we, we develop this inner, this inner narrative. They don't like me. They don't need me. I'm not welcome. They already have enough friends. Why would they want to hang out with me? And we spiral into self-doubt. I'm not lovable. And my question to you is what's your pattern? What's your pattern? It's so important that we stop at this point and you think about this for a minute. So I'm going to pause for a minute. I want you to get out your notes and your pen that you got with your program on the way in, I want you to write it down. 
and I'm going to give you a minute just to think about it because where we go from here, it builds on this. So one minute, go ahead. Guys, what happens is we end up getting hurt, right? And then we have to explain to our hearts what just happened. And so we usually go into one of those, those two patterns to do that. But so often what we do is we create a narrative in our head of the other person's motives, what they did, why they did it. And here's what I found. And we're going to talk more about this next week. But most of the time there's a misunderstanding. Most of the time, not all the time, sometimes people genuinely reject this, but most of the time, I misinterpret what just happened. I didn't see you standing there. I forgot to call you back. It wasn't anything for you, whatever it is. And we come up with an entire story in our heads of what happened and why they didn't. And so much can be dealt with if it's dealt with, right? And diffused if it's dealt with. We assume other people's motives and that's part of how we build the walls to protect our hearts. And it's part of how we end up isolated. So the next thing, after you identify your pattern, and this is so important, choose to lean in. Choose to lean in. And Jesus gives us the ultimate example for this, right? Jesus leans into relationship with people. Jesus leans in to relationship with humanity, right? He knew what was coming. He could see the future. He knew that he was going to be rejected. Jesus chose to live life for those three years of his ministry with 12 disciples. Do you know how many of them disappointed him? Every single one. Every single one of them. He knew it was coming and he chose to lean in anyway. His family, he knew it was coming. His family and his childhood friends, you know. He didn't have to pick Nazareth, but he did. And he knew they would let him down. Mark 6 says Jesus left there and went to his hometown, Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? This is all good stuff, right? They asked, what's this wisdom that he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? And then it shifts. Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They rejected him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. Ouch. But it wasn't like he didn't know it was coming. 
It wasn't like Jesus came to earth expecting, expecting that it was all going to be sunshine and roses. And still he chose to live or to lean in. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, wrote this about Jesus. He's, he said, he had no beauty or majesty to, to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. Isn't it interesting? He was despised and rejected. He was a man of suffering and pain. Rejection, pain, they're tied together. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. This is just amazing. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Isaiah goes on to describe the crucifixion of Jesus. He was pierced through his hands and his feet for our wrongdoings. That's what a transgression is. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. That's the punishment that brought us peace was on him. Punishment was death for our sins. And he paid it himself. And by his wounds, we are healed. See, Jesus came knowing he would be rejected. And he chose to come anyway. And as he hung on the cross, he took our rejection upon himself. All the sins of all the world. Yours, mine, every human being who's ever lived were placed upon Jesus on the cross. The guy who lived a sinless life became sin. And he cries out to God before he breathes his last breath and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because all the sin of the world was on him at that moment. And God, in that moment, rejected his own son. And theologians speculate, I mean, it's all speculation, but they, they, theologians, many believe that the pain of that rejection, which makes sense from what we know of rejection, was more significant than the physical pain that Jesus experienced in that moment. He had been eternally in a relationship with his father, and he was cut off for you and for me. He chose to lean in. He leaned into the pain. He leaned in to the rejection. You know, as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting as well from one of their songs, one of their, from their hymn book, the book of Psalms. In Psalm 22, it starts off in this despair. My God, my God, why have you, re why have you rejected me? Why have you forsaken me? Why, why are things cut off? And it ends with great hope. And community and blessing. It says this at the end of Psalm 22. As it makes this transition from rejection to acceptance. It says the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. That'd be you and me. We hadn't been born yet. He has done it. What has he done? 
He paid for our sins. He redeemed people to a relationship with their, their heavenly father. He's done it. Everything is different. Why? Because he was willing to lean in and walk through the rejection, not go around it. See, Jesus shows us the way. The life you're looking for is not found by avoiding the pain. It's not found by avoiding people. It's not found by avoiding future rejection. It's found actually by leaning in and walking through. And what God will do is he will redeem that pain. And he will connect you with people who will make your life better. Will it be pain-free? No. We're people. Will it be worth it? Oh, yeah. It's the life you're looking for. And Jesus shows us the way. He leans in. In Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, for the joy, he's talking about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not joy. He endured the cross. But the joy was the restoration of mankind into relationship with God. The joy was the victory over sin and death. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and, it, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition. This is, this, is, this is it, guys. Consider him. Live like him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, such rejection, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart because you're going to experience rejection too. You're going to experience heartache. You're going to experience disappointment. And guys, we will do anything we can to avoid it, to walk away from it. We will bend our lives around it. But the path to where you want to go is through it, not around it. Jesus showed the way. Jesus showed the way. Lean in, guys. It's so worth it. And we need to do that in our relationships. There's some of us and. Again, come back next week because the second part of this message is going to give you some really practical handles as far as dealing with this in relationships in your life. But we need to lean in. We need to lean in and building new relationships as well. And, you know, we say all people need people. You're going to get sick of me saying that. I'm going to say that over and over and over again. We do. And you need good people, godly people. You need people who are helping you become better and who God made you to be. People who are becoming like Jesus. Again, it's why we do life groups. It's why we do serve groups. Because as you begin to connect with other people, you begin to find your people. And I, and I think for some of us, you know, it's like, well, I tried a group or I tried to serve. And I didn't really connect with anybody. And so it didn't really work for me. I'm out. Don't do that. I've been in groups for 35 years of my life. And some groups are great and some groups are thick. Just being honest. But you know what I found? Playing the long game, every stop along the way, whether it's been great or marginal or awful, I've learned something. I've had something to contribute. God has taught me something. And I have connected with people. And over 35 years of grouping and serving and doing all those things, I have found my people. And it might have been one person here and two people there and nobody here. And, but, but, I, but I leaned in. And I've got people who 
aren't even part of my everyday anymore who are my people who I can call and I've got people who are part and I've got a group I'm a part of now and it's really good it's a good group and it's going well and they're my people but I you gather your people as you go and you got to play the long game don't check out lean in whether it's a life group or a serve group there's a hundred places you can serve here and begin to connect with people do it Guys, peopling is God's plan for forming you into the person you are meant to be. Let me say that again. Peopling is God's plan for forming you into the person that you are meant to be. It's life on life. It's relationships. And if our propensity is to insulate and isolate and protect our our worlds, we're going to miss out on becoming the people that you were meant to be, that we were meant to be. Will you get hurt along the way? Yes, but the path to where you're going is through the pain, not around it. It's not through callousing your, or letting your heart grow calloused. It's by leaning in and keeping your heart soft. Don't let the pain of rejection rob you of the joy of connection. God has got such good things for you. But it's counterintuitive, isn't it? There's so much about following Jesus that's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive to lean into the pain. It's counterintuitive to lean into people. Especially when Amazon will deliver in 48 hours. I mean, it's incredible. But it's so worth it. It is so, so worth it. And you know, Jesus promised that we would have trouble in this world. That's my favorite verse. I've got that written on my refrigerator. Just kidding, I don't. But he does say, in this world you will have trouble. But he also promises that he will be with us through all of that. And a lot of that trouble will be people trouble. It's all right. Don't run away. Lean in. Lean in. It's exactly what Jesus did. It's exactly what our Heavenly Father did. He leaned in. He looked on to a world that was separated from him, where we had all rejected him and turned our backs on him and walked away from him and the pain. And he said, I'm going after them. I'm leaning into them. And he sent Jesus down to live a perfect life and die on a cross pay the penalty so all of that could be paid for and forgiven. The debt could be forgiven. So that if we would, we could turn and make our way back to him. And guys, that's where your healing begins. If you've been rejected, if you're dealing with this in here, your healing begins in healing your relationship with God. And the beautiful part about that is that God stands with open arms and he says, come on home. It's all forgiven. And all you have to do is turn around and walk home. And his arms are open wide. And I I, I just have a sense there are some of us this morning, that's where you need to start. You're not, you haven't taken that step yet. The rest of it will come after that, but it starts with healing that relationship. And I want to invite you to invite him into your life this morning.
I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Let's all close our eyes, bow our heads. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sins and be, be your Lord, I want to invite you to do that. You can just repeat in the quiet of your mind the words that I, I pray right now. You can say something along these lines. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came. I believe you leaned in. I believe you're still leaning in. Thank you for dying in my place. I ask that you would come now and live in my heart. That you would forgive my sins. That I could come home. Lord, I want a relationship with you. And I ask that you teach me how to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed with me just then, and that's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that, please let us know on the Connect card. There's a place you can mark that you did that. And uh, we've got resources we want to get in your hands that will help you in beginning that relationship with God. That's where it starts. That's, that is what enables us to forgive others. That is what enables us to lean in with other people. It starts with God's forgiveness and redemption of us. Guys, next week we're going to talk about real practically how to put feet on this. And ah, please be here. It's such an important topic. I believe it's going to be really, really powerful for some of us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you leaned in. Thank you that you showed the way for us. I pray that you would empower us and fill us with courage and hope and vision to see through to the other side. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.